0: Good afternoon. 438 is the time. Thursday, September the 23rd. Thanks for tuning in to NL Newsday today. All right, let's get into the COVID-19 pandemic here. 830 new cases being recorded here in the last 24 hours throughout the province of BC. When it comes to the Interior Health Authority, 153 new cases in the last 24 hours. And our total active case count now standing at 1,181. Of course... Those numbers really don't tell the whole story, though. So, to help talk more about what's going on, pleased to welcome back to the show Global BC political journalist Keith Baldry. Keith, how are you today? Great, Jeff. Good to here. Yeah. Thanks so much uh, for the time. Always appreciate you joining the show. Uh, before we get to what the actual you know situation looks like in terms of numbers and all that, I wanted just to start with the um, you know premier made some comments today. He was speaking to the the media. Uh, one of the things that he did touch on was the the change, the complete real 180 when it comes to reporting at school. Um, and you know he didn't really say there was any regret or anything, but clearly there was quite a bit of pushback from parents saying we want to know when COVID 19 exposures occur. We don't just want to hear about the outbreak. So I guess, was this really a, a parent-led uh, change and, and you know, parent groups who were really uh, pushing for this move to be made this week?
1: I can actually tell you exactly how it happened. So last week, I live across the street from an elementary school in Victoria. (laughs) Parents approached me last Thursday, I believe, and said, look, our kids have tested positive for COVID-19 in grade one. One class has been notified, but the other classes where our kids are in have not been notified. They went to the principal. The principal said, my hands are tied into this new structure. I have to get permission from the health authority before I can notify anyone. I took that information to Health Minister Adrian Dix, who said, well, this doesn't seem to be working. He had his staff on it. By the end of the day, a decision was made that notification letters would start to go out. And the first one arrived at this particular school in Victoria to parents. Uh, on Friday and that started basically the policy change it happened right there just like that it was parents who led the charge here and they weren't super angry they were just concerned they wanted information and that's what that's basically how this happened um, and, and agentix told me the next day joked he, he said you know I want to congratulate those parents at that school for initiating probably one of the fastest policy changes we've ever seen in healthcare so that's how that happened
0: well, when I had conversations about this uh, with, with local school board officials here in the Camloops thompson area, you know, one of the things that they pointed to was so why this change was being made is, you know, there was increased anxiety levels whenever w- there was a COVID exposure that occurred, right? It could just be one case and not necessarily going to impact or, or affect uh, all those individuals who are in the school, but that one case all of a sudden sets off some paranoia throughout the entire school community, and then you see attendance really drop in the days after. I guess uh, that... that probably anxiety issue was put uh, a little bit behind the information issue, which now sort of leads the charge here.
1: Well, I think there's anxiety no matter what happens right? You anxiety because you're, you're lacking information, and you, you don't know what the, you know, the great unknown. Um, but uh, you get anxiety when you do know the information. So I, I think it's a no-win situation. I think it's always better to err on the side of disclosure, uh, to put the information out, and to let people make decisions based on what they know rather than what they don't know. And I think that's uh, it, it will result in some unfortunate situations. For instance, the school I'm across the street from, as a result of the notification letter going out, even though only, I think, nine kids had tested positive in four classes, a whole bunch of parents decided to keep their kids home. Um, out, of, out of abundance of caution. They just don't want to in there. So the, the school's basically been almost empty for a few days now, as I think a lot of people are waiting for the 14-day incubation period to pass. Mm-hmm. And that's probably going to play out like that in a number of other schools.
0: Yeah, I think it probably will, but we'll have to let the school year play out to really see that trend. Alright, I wanted to get into some of the numbers we're seeing here with you right now. So almost 5,700 active cases of COVID in the province of BC right now, but I guess the active case count's probably not something to be paying too much attention to. It's Probably the hospitalization numbers that are of the bigger concern right now. And, you know, for the most part, these are people who are either unvaccinated or just partially vaccinated 330 in hospital and 148 in intensive care. Uh, you've been, you know, these numbers better than I do. So is that an improvement at all? I feel like at least the ICU numbers seem to be dropping a touch, but I'll get you to say that for sure.
1: So the ICU number from yesterday is down nine, which is good news. Uh, the number of people in hospital on a day-to-day basis is up six to so 330. But if you look at the... Center for Disease Control dashboard, it actually shows the the true hospitalization number is always a little higher because people come out of hospital every day and they go into hospital every day. So the number of people actually going into hospital is usually greater than the number uh, that comes out in the statement. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of the 148 people in ICU, 132 of them are unvaccinated. haven't had a single dose, uh, which is 90%. And that's the figure that's been troubling for some time is 90% of the people on ventilators in ICUs, have refused to be vaccinated and they're paying a very heavy price. We have a story down here on South Vancouver Island today. A father went public. His 29-year-old daughter refused to get vaccinated. She had some concerns that were really unfounded uh, and she went into the ICU and she died yesterday, 29 years old. Um, no underlying health conditions. And again, just the enormous risk people take by not getting vaccinated. Where there's an ongoing concern is in the Northern Health Authority. Low vaccination numbers, particularly in some of the rural areas. The number of hospitalizations, number of cases continue to go up. There are well more than 100 a day in a, in a health authority that has relatively few people. A jump of seven hospitalizations in one day in Northern Health. And what's happening, Jeff, is because the it's not a bad issue, it's a, it's a staffing issue. There's just not enough critical care nurses to, to, uh, to attend to this surge in ICUs and hospitalizations in the north. As a result, people are being flown down to Metro Vancouver and the Capital Region. Fifteen people in recent days have had to have been flown, and again, away from their families. Most of these people are unvaccinated and are being relocated hundreds of miles away from their home because the north just simply doesn't have the resources to deal with this surge.
0: And that sounds like, um, you know, one of the reasons why we look back to, I think it was last week when Alberta was putting out the call to other provinces. Hey, can you help us out with some of our Mm COVID-19 patients? And BC's like, no, it's not so much a bed issue, it's a staffing issue. And, you know, this is a great example of, of the situation we find ourselves in.
1: Yeah, and you know, our critical care nurses are, are critical to the system, and they're run off their feet, they're exhausted, Frontline healthcare health care workers, you saw that the situation in Royal Inland Hospital, you've got play, playing out in hospitals around the province where people are really tired, they've been working um, long hours, long shifts, and the number of hospitalizations has gone up, I mean, we were at, uh, I think we've gone up about 300 in a week of people having to be hospitalized, and that just puts a huge strain on the system, and that's why we're not no position to take patients away from uh, take patients off of the icu wards in alberta
0: um we are now officially as of today 10 days into the bc vaccine status card program being officially in place um you know at the beginning of this when it was first announced we did see a big increase in people starting to get their first dose of a COVID 19 vaccine I'm just, you know, again, you look at the numbers on a more regular and daily basis. Have we seen sort of a steady increase continue since this program was first announced, or has it started to plateau a little bit?
1: In terms of vaccinations? Yeah. No, well, actually, the first dose vaccinations continue to go up. Um, we had 8,000, more than one eight thousand yesterday, so we're seeing a steady climb. Our first dose rate goes up about zero point one to zero point two percent a day, so that means we're at eighty seven point. Where are we here? Eighty seven. Eighty
0: seven point three percent. Three.
1: Yeah. So we're we're, we're getting to ninety percent for first dose. The second dose is, is approaching eighty uh, percent, and that's that's going up. Uh, had been going up at a at a higher rate. But now we're doing more first doses than second doses because there's that 28 day gap, yep. remember, between first and second dose. So we sort of caught up to the second dose. But um, no, those numbers are starting to a steady stream of of people every day are registering and are getting the first dose. Unfortunately, there are pockets around B.C., notably in the north, where it is very slow. You know, Dawson Creek in Fort St. John, You know, there's a really slow uptake there, even though there's been vaccination clinics set up uh, for a number of reasons. People just are declining to get vaccinated. And we're seeing the hospitalizations coming from those communities into Prince George, and some of them having to get airlifted down to Metro Vancouver and, mm-hmm. and the capital.
0: Yeah, I, I did hear you on. I know you're on with Mike Smith every morning for Baldry's Beat, and he was talking about the low vaccination numbers in the north, and was asking for the calls of people to, you know, if, if you've ever lived in the northern part of the province, do you have a reason why people not be getting vaccinated? Did you get any answers from him during that segment this morning?
1: No, there's people really don't have a, a proper answer. Um, I think part of the reason is that a lot of these communities are fairly remote. Uh, it's not like walking across the street to get vaccinated. And some of these people, it is inconvenient. They do have to drive a, a considerable distance to get a vaccine. Uh, it's it, it's not as um, as available some in some cases as it is if say if you live in Surrey or something, or if you even live in Kamloops. Uh, a lot of these people live in rural situations where they're in ice they're isolated. They're in farming communities. They're a ways away from people. So they may also think, you know what, I'm never around anybody. I don't really don't need this because nobody I know's got COVID. Um, the problem is once you get, you know, near the Delta variant, as it is so much more transmissible, it doesn't take much for people to get sick if you're not vaccinated. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter where you're, what your living conditions are.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that for now, Keith. I always appreciate your breakdown. So thanks so much for joining the program. I'm sure we'll do it again in the not-too-distant future, but uh, thanks for joining me on this Thursday. Looking forward to it. Awesome stuff. Keith Baldry right there, political journalist with Global BCG.